Sounds interesting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Solano Valley. Let's make our way to our seats. We're going to kick off our time of worship together. Thank you for being here today. Thank you to everyone who's joining us online on Facebook and on YouTube. It's a pleasure to have you join us as well. And I want to invite you to stand with us. And we are going to celebrate an awesome truth from the Gospel of John, chapter 3. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. And for that and for so many other reasons, we worship right now. So let's sing together, church. Here we go. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find His mercy. Come to the table, He will satisfy. Taste of His goodness, find what you're looking for. For God so loved, sing it out. For God so loved the world that He gave us, His one and only Son to save us, whoever believes in Him will live.
that Jesus, that God just reached out in love and provided that Savior for us. We are, I mean, what do you say other than thank you, right? <laughs> what do you say other than thank you? You know, <clears throat> when I think about the attributes of, of God, I think about his love, of course. I think about his mercies that are new every day, about his grace that is sufficient. But the one thing that I don't, automatically think about all the time is, is his holiness, his power, his majesty. And I feel like that's something I need to do a better job of, of contemplating that. And that's what this next song is all about, how great thou art. Anyone grow up in a faith tradition where that was kind of a, okay, Jackie, yeah, did anyone sing that hymn growing up? All right, Kathy, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's do that one right now. A little bit of a contemporary twist to it. We're going to get our hands warmed up and get excited. Here we go, church. Oh, Lord, my God. When I in awesome wonder. Consider all the world thy hands have made. And I see, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout, throughout the universe displayed. And sings my soul. How great thou art, how great thou art, how great thou art, and sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. One more. How great thou art. And when I think, and when I think, that God his son, not very, sent him to die 
sovereignty to think about his power and this next song was one we haven't done in a while and when I was uh, picking the songs this week I, I was reminded of something that Joy likes to say from time to time which is in case you don't know Joy she's uh, rounds of all our pastor's wife and she likes to say that if you're afraid do it anyway do it anyway and the Bible tells us that God's perfect love casts out fear and so I think when we stand on firmly on his love, it doesn't mean that 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 that, that the fear is just going to, you know, you know, just automatically disappear. But when we choose to stand firm on his love, we can do it afraid. You know, whatever it is that we're facing, whatever trial or problem that we're dealing with. When we have that right mindset of the fact that God so loved the world, that he loves us unconditionally, that he 
loves us with an everlasting love, with an unfailing love, it gives us that courage to do it anyway, to do it afraid, okay? I hope that makes sense. It did when I was laying down and going to sleep last night, thinking about this song. But uh, our fear doesn't stand a chance when we stand in his love. So let's celebrate that. Darkness tries to roll over my bones. And sorrow comes to steal the joy I own. Brokenness and pain is all I know. I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. And my fear? My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Shame? Shame no longer has a place to hide. I am not captive to the light. Not afraid to leave my past behind. Oh, I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. Oh, my fear, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I. Your love, my fear, doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. There is power. There's power that can't break up every chain. There's power that can't empty out of grace. There's resurrection power that can save. Power in your name, power in your name. One more time, church. There's power that can break up every chain. There's power. There's power that can empty out of grace. There's resurrection power that can save. There's power in your name. My fear, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. One more time, everyone. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance.
when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Oh, I'm thankful for that. Amen. All right, have a seat, everybody. I'd like to invite my wife, Carolyn, up here. She's going to lead us in communion uh, right now. Revival prayer. (laughs) We could do communion, too. Well, good morning, church. Um, This morning, we're going to turn our focus to revival prayer. And if you didn't already know, the first Sunday of every month, we meet here at 6.30 p.m. for a time of worship and for a time of revival prayer. And specifically praying for revival. And when we say revival, we don't mean uh, that we're going to set up a tent out in the park yard, in the parking lot and have a big old revival tent meeting. That's not what we're talking about. But what we're talking about is a culture of prayer for revival built into the fabric of our church. We just sang the song, There's Power That Can Break Off Every Chain. I love those words. Um, you know, we all think about... Something in our life, someone that we love that's got some change, some bondage, and there's power that can break off every chain. There's power that can empty out a grave. There's resurrection power that can save. There's power in the name of Jesus. And I believe that, and that is what revival prayer is. It's praying for God's power. When we pray as a church for revival, we are praying for a power not of our own. There is a certain amount of power mankind has been given. We can be persuasive. We can be innovative. We can plan and organize and pull off amazing feats. But all of those things are nothing compared to the power that's held within God. When a church prays for a revival, that church is praying for a power, not of their own. They are praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to be poured out in greater measure than can ever be imagined. It is a prayer of faith. It is a prayer of need, and it is a prayer of humility. There's a reason that revivals in early America are referred to as the Great Awakening. If there's anything needed today, it is an awakening from our slumber. We live in a time where people are sleepy toward God, um, even the best among us, and our God sensibilities, by and large, can be so dreary that many rarely pick up their Bible anymore. Entertainment has dulled us, but the problem is deeper than that. We haven't been merely been entertained by other things. We as a nation and a culture have failed to be awed by God. The church that prays for revival then is praying for an awakening to God. They are praying for times of refreshing from the Lord. So if we want the world to be shaken so that we wake up from our slumber, we need to pray for God to move Pray for God to awaken. Pray for God to pour out. Pray with passion. Pray with urgency. Pray with expectancy. Pray with humility. Pray without ceasing. Pray. Just pray because God is able. He's able. If you bow your heads, let's go ahead and pray right now. Heavenly Father, you are great and you are holy and you are powerful and there's nothing, nothing, Lord, that's impossible for you. We come before you and we ask for your forgiveness when we are doled by this world instead of awed by you. 
when we have allowed pride and complacency to reign in our hearts. God, we draw near, humbly seeking your grace and your forgiveness. This morning, we want to pray with boldness and confidence. And Lord, we ask that you would move in our hearts, move in our churches, pour your spirit out, and may it change our city, may it change our state, and may it change our world. Awaken us, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit that lives in us. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We ask you to come and flood this place and fill our atmosphere, shake things up, draw hearts to you, open eyes, open hearts, and may the hurt, lost, broken, find hope and redemption in the name of Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Carolyn. Well, uh, Carolyn, Elsa and I have one more song to lead you in. Carolyn, you're welcome to sing as well, if you'd like. My apologies. Um, um, and But before we do that, I'd love to just uh, encourage you to take a moment to greet some of the folks around you. And in about 90 seconds to a couple minutes, we will continue with our worship. And then after that, our guest speaker, PC Walker, is here today. Welcome back, brother. It's good to have you. So take a few moments to greet the folks around you. We'll continue with our worship in just a second. Thank you. folks let's uh 
join our voices together one more time as we invite the Holy Spirit. Let Him know that He is welcome here to fill this place, to fill our hearts, to help us become more like Jesus in our thinking and in our attitudes and in our affections. Let's sing, church. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. But my heart becomes free. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory. God is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. There's nothing. There's nothing worth more. That could ever come close Nothing can compare You're our living hope Your presence, Lord I've tasted and seen Of the sweetest of love my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Holy Spirit Holy Spirit you are welcome love this place that fill the atmosphere your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Love this place and feel the atmosphere, your glory. God is what our hearts long for, be overcome by your presence, Lord. Let us become, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience 
glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you are Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Comfort this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts Church, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for what he does to give counsel, to advocate for us, to guide, and to protect. We thank you for his role in our lives, and we just want to be open to how he wants to work in us and through us today, how he wants to speak to us through your word through PC this morning. Give us ears to hear and give us the courage to follow through and obey whatever you ask us to do. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We'll go ahead and have a seat. Um, Before our guest speaker, PC Walker, comes up, I'd just like to give you a few important announcements. Um, We have small groups, and we always want to remind you about our small groups at our meeting, and these groups are just great opportunities for you to find a safe place to connect with others and grow in your relationship with God. They provide an opportunity for you to be encouraged and encourage others and to talk more deeply about what we're learning on Sunday mornings here. There's also room for one more person. We always have an open chair at all our groups, and it's just not too late to join. So if you're like, oh, it's summertime and everything's winding down, uh, just go on the app, look it up, and see what's meeting, who's meeting, when they're meeting. All that information is there. So if you tap the groups button on the SVC app, or you can also just go to our webpage, www.salonavalley.org forward slash connect. Um, I'd also like to invite you again to join us here at 6.30 tonight for our revival prayer. Carolyn was talking about that. And we just want to worship God together through music and then humbly pray for revival in our church, our homes, our communities, and our world. And we'd just be honored for you to partner in prayer with us. And then finally, we would like to invite you to stick around after our service on Father's Day, June 18th, so two weeks from today, for a fried chicken potluck lunch. Um, As we've been studying the Book of Acts together on Sundays and in our small groups, we've seen that the early church 
took their meal sharing very seriously, and we want to emulate that. So um, why not continue this tradition? And if you'd like to contribute a side dish or a dessert, there's a sign-up sheet at the back table um, by the front door. So please make plans to join us that day, and we'd love to have you there with us. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to PC. Come on and share what God's laid on your heart. Am I on? There it is. Hey, uh, hello, everyone. Man, it's good to see you all. Uh, it's been very long, uh, a long time. We were trying to figure it out, and I think it's been like almost a year and a half since uh, since the last time I was able to be here. So uh, it's just exciting to be here and to see you all. Um, I, uh, man, everything you already talked about with uh, – the revival prayer, Carolyn, I can strike most of what I wrote. So, um, hmm. uh, no, uh, th- there's, it's interesting though, because, um, uh, uh lately, uh, this season of our life in my family, which my family didn't come with us today because my kids have a church that they love, and so they wanted to go there today, and they're like, we don't want to go with you, Dad. So, uh, which is, like, good and bad, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, man, I love that you found a place that you, that you all love and you want to be, uh, but also, like, I'm going, so could you go with me? Uh, but it was all really good. But our season of life right now is, like, the best way I keep explaining it is, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a taxi driver. I mean, that's all I am. I just take my kids to everything that they're doing. We just closed last weekend. Uh, my kids are both in theater, and they closed uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Notre Dame, uh, last week. And uh, that has been just all I feel like I do is I'm in the van, and tomorrow volleyball camp starts. So I'm just going to be back in the car driving everybody around. And it just feels like that's what I do right now, and then I'm in my studies, and so um, – uh, so, like, speaking and and teaching on a regular basis isn't the season that I'm in right now. And um, and then uh, to talk about what we're going to talk about today, it's always interesting to um, to think of like the the opportunity to to teach God's word is for sure grace. Uh, if nothing but grace to to have the opportunity to do that, um, but uh, to teach uh, about the Holy Spirit and talk about the Holy Spirit and talk about God's Word in a season of life when uh, I feel dull sometimes and I feel like uh, I haven't even been pursuing as much and then still getting like, God keeps still continuing to set up opportunities to teach God's word, even when you are in whatever season you're in. That's a little more than grace. That's I think that's amazing grace, and uh, and so I I am excited. Uh, it like getting to talk and getting to think through 
uh, what, what we're talking about today. I know you all have been going through Acts, so I'm going to go back to the very first chapter of Acts. So if you want to turn there, you can. Uh, that's where we're going to be reading. I'm going to be reading out of Acts chapter 1 uh, because something really important happens there in that moment that kind of forms uh, the rest of what I want to want to talk about today. But again, just coming from a place where, I mean, any given week, and I, I hope you understand what I feel, because uh, I would hope that this makes sense to you as well. But, you know, on any given week, you can have this day, this week of, man, I was just every day or several times this week, I felt like I was really connecting with the heart of God. I was connecting with the heart of Jesus in my time and with my with my small group. And then another week goes by and it's like, I haven't connected with God all week. I'm, I'm I missed him in my busyness. I missed him in my uh, in whatever was going on in my life that uh, I didn't even sit in that space often this week. And so, um, so uh, you know, I, I think that that's one of those things. Like, I want to I want to be uh, very mindful of what God has done uh, in the last season of our life. But then on the other hand, it's like. And it's been a bit since I've been in like this zone where I get to offer offer the opportunity that God has given to me uh, to speak from uh, something that I'm barely trying to understand every day. And that's truly amazing grace. So let me pray and then uh, and then we'll just we'll jump in. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for another opportunity to be together. Um, Just the opportunity to come on a regular basis uh, and be in the same space with one another is for sure uh, a gift and a grace. Um, We all learned a few years ago how much of a gift it really is to be together, to see one another in person. So we offer, we don't want to take at all for granted uh, the gift that it is to just gather. Um, but while we're here today, uh, I just ask that we don't miss you. Um, I know I have a tendency to go through a number of uh, days uh, or even weeks and completely miss you in my own busyness and in my own schedule and in whatever season is going on in my life And each of my friends here, whatever is happening in our lives right now, I ask God that you would speak to our hearts. We're here. We came here for a reason. Even if we didn't know what that reason was, we're all here for a reason today. And so I ask God that we don't miss you today. Uh, Speak to our hearts. Speak to us in a way that we understand, a way that we hear you. Um, And if that has nothing to do with the word I say, uh, it's still a gift, and we ask to hear from you. So we praise you for who you are, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there is, uh, if if I could create a general umbrella definition for the word congregation, right? This is this word that is defining of who we are. But I think a good and general umbrella definition congregation is simply a place of stories and in a congregation you see first stories of jesus because without jesus we're just a group of people that are hanging out and 
you can hang out anywhere. But you don't have to even come here on a Sunday if you just wanted to hang out with people. But Jesus is first. Jesus is foremost in our gathering. And the main connection point that we all have every Sunday, every time you come to a small group, every time you come to a prayer meeting, the main connection point that we all have is Jesus. And we can come here not only just to celebrate Jesus in our worship, we give our worship, we celebrate who Jesus is and the place that he has in our life, but we also come here together because we want together to tell the stories of Jesus. It's important for us to, as a congregation, as a body that comes together on a purpose every week, is to tell the stories of Jesus because the good part about uh, one of my seminary professors said that the, the beauty of church is that we come here every week and then we leave these doors and we go out in to do our lives for a week. And then we get to come back every Sunday just to remind one another everything we talked about last week about Jesus. It's all still true. Like no matter what happened no matter what medical procedures you just went through, no matter what kind of pain is happening in our society and in our culture, everything that you experienced this week, come back together because we'll tell you and we'll remind you that everything we know about Jesus is still true, no matter what happens in life around us. So we tell the story of Jesus because we need to be consistently reminded that it's all still very true. The story of Jesus and what he does is very true. So the congregation is a collection and it is a place of stories. First is the stories of Jesus. But secondly, congregation is a place of stories of men and women. We are a community of stories. Each one of us represents some kind of story that's being lived from last week till this week versus even several years that led up to this moment. I, we are all living a story and we come together with the value for each other's story. Each of us has a unique story that makes us who we are individually. But the fact is, whether we like it or not, sometimes our stories are still parts of one another. My story is very much connected to each of you. And it's especially connected to this gathering. My story is connected here, even if I'm not here every single week. I still have a a significant, probably, I mean, I don't even know if it's been like eight years now, something like eight or nine years that my story has been wrapped up with Solano Valley. That's nuts. But like my individual story, whether I like it or not, is connected to you. And your story is connected to me. There is this uh, African philosophy uh, that, that, is a huge part of the entire civilization of of, of most African cultures, uh, this African philosophy that's called Ubuntu. And a a very, very rough translation of it is, I am because we are. And it's a concept in which your sense of self, your individual sense of self, is shaped by your relationships with other people. I cannot even truly be myself without being connected to everyone else. So it's a very high value for the community around you and who you're connected to, and it's a very drastic counterweight to the individualism that runs rampant in our especially Western civilization, but even more especially in our American civilization. We are a very individualized culture, and particularly in our 
And in in our country, and Ubuntu means believing that the common bonds that connect our lives together with the group are more important always than my individual right or opinion or even more important than my own struggle or my own difficulty because I'm connected to other people. And I think, and I would propose, that the Bible is very clear in several ways, over and over again, that we are connected to one another. It was how God designed humanity to be built and to be lived out, is that you are necessarily connected to other people. How we entangle our stories as a community and as a congregation really does matter. And I can only really learn my story in the company of, in the entanglement of, in the connection with other people because our individual stories are connected with one great story. And each story, your story, my story, each individual story affects and is affected by other people. And it's the way God designed us to be. But the way that God designed us to be is not always how we live. Right. Um, The book of Acts was written by Luke, which I'm sure you've already covered. Um, And if you remember, uh, Luke is also the author of the book, Luke. And uh, so he uh, uh, so you've already known, you know, this author, you know him before you've heard him before in the gospel, though, of Luke. Luke tells the story of Jesus. He uses very good detail. Luke, uh, as a in connection to the other Gospels, Luke writes his from a doctor perspective. He is like the doctor with all the details, and I know I've studied very much the details. So he tells very good, detailed story of Jesus for us all to read. And now in the book of Acts, he begins to tell the story of congregation. This is the story of church that he's beginning to tell in Luke or in Acts chapter one. So let's read in Acts chapter one. I'm going to read uh, one through 11 and then we'll go back and begin to unpack what, what I feel like we're looking at for today. Uh, So Acts chapter one, starting in verse one, it says in the first book O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So he's referencing his gospel that he had already written in the first book that I wrote. I was telling you all about Jesus And all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commandments or given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had seen. So before, when I told you the story of Jesus, I was telling you that he actually, before he left, he gave commands specifically to the apostles from the Holy Spirit. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse 4, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Don't leave here, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. And in my Bible, those words are written in red, which, as maybe you don't know, I I taught college students this uh, this semester uh, which it's like one of those things where you're like you know what this means right and they're like I didn't know that so uh, if it's written in red that means Jesus said it so if it's written in red let's pay real close attention 
to what it says. Verse 4 uh, says, and he quotes Jesus saying uh, what he says in verse 4. So then let's move on to verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? This is what we've been waiting for. We've been waiting for someone to come and restore all of Israel. And Jesus says to them in verse 7, starting in red letters, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, they were just staring at the sky at this point. And they, these two men come and they say, Men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. In this chapter, the entire premise of history is shifting. Something is shifting in history at this moment that you are reading and that you had already read, I don't know how many weeks ago, in Acts chapter 1. This is an incredibly pivotal point in history. The moment Jesus ascends into heaven, our entire story shifts from Jesus to church. But be very careful, because it's far too common at this point for Jesus to slip into the background for us. And suddenly we start to think that the story of church, the story of our church is what are we going to do for God now? This is a very American stereotype. It's a very American stereotype for us to be like, what do we do for God right now? What do we need to accomplish as the church with our life and our congregation? But be very wary of that temptation. Because in verse 4, he's very clear. Verse 4, he says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, You, will, you have already heard from me, for John the Baptist baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They had already had the Holy Spirit breathed onto them. If you go back to John chapter 20, there's this phrase and this, this description of how the Holy Spirit had come upon them. It was breathed upon them. But now they are going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. So just for, t- just for a second, take a mental picture and compare the images in your mind of being breathed on with the Holy Spirit versus what does it look like to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Very different images. They are about to be saturated. They are about to be soaked. They are about to be sopping wet with the Holy Spirit versus having just been breathed on. For most of the time up until this moment, the apostles had been very private with what they were going out and doing. And now they are about to take a very public understanding of their role. Jesus is telling them, though, stay here in Jerusalem. Their temptation is to say, how do we go and do everything? How do we go spread this? What are we to do now? 
What is our job to do now? But Jesus says, stay here in Jerusalem, because in Jerusalem is a very perfect place to be seen. If you stay in Jerusalem, it's the perfect place for you to be seen and for you to be known. So the question becomes, how public are you with your story of what you have seen? How public are you with the story of what you know here in your church, in your congregation? How public are you with your interaction and your encounter with Jesus that you've just had? It's not a question of how public are you with your opinion. How public are you with your stances? How public are you with your ethical thoughts? How public are you with the story that you have experienced of Jesus? How much is that what you're telling? Your encounters with Jesus are more important than your stances. Your encounters with, as, as a church, as a congregation, again, you can hang out anywhere, and then your other things are important. But if you want to be a church and if you want to be a congregation, then your encounters with Jesus and those stories are way more important than the things that you think and the things that you believe about your stances and your opinions and your ethics. In verse 8, he goes on and he continues, and we we hear from Jesus again. Jesus is still in red letters in verse 8, and it says, But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even into the ends of the earth. This may be, if I propose to you, this may be the strongest verse in the entire book of Acts. I think it's the strongest verse because it's essentially an outline for the entire book. This verse is giving you the outline for the entire book. So you can now, like, when, when Gary gets back, you can be like, I already know what, what happens. Uh, so the entire book is outlined right here in this one verse. This verse is the agenda, not just for the book of Acts, but it is your agenda as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. This is your agenda for the rest of your life, for all of time. This verse is what we are commissioned to do until Jesus comes back again. He is giving us our work to do. But more importantly, he reminds you that it is actually not you who are the doer. The Holy Spirit is the doer, but the Holy Spirit is within you. You have been baptized, you have been saturated, you have been filled with the power to do these things. You are not the doer. The Holy Spirit is the doer, and it happens to be within you. We have within us the spiritual ability to do this, because if we have the Holy Spirit within us, we will be witnesses to the rest of the world, starting right here. Of course we know a witness, when you think about it from a judicial perspective, a witness is someone called on to tell the story of what happened. This is what a witness does. A witness is called on to tell the story of what really happened because I know it really happened because I was there to experience it. That's what a witness is. I call a witness in a judicial perspective because they were there to see what happened and I can tell the truth of what actually happened because I was there to experience it. And together we tell our story 
as congregation. We tell our story of Jesus in us, the Jesus encounter that I have had. I was there. I experienced it. Let me tell you that story because I can prove that this happened because I experienced it. I am a witness to this encounter with Jesus. We are instruments in God actually being known in this world, but we have to remember that it is the Holy Spirit that is the energy, the force, the power that is within you to actually do it. We have only to submit to that spirit, pay attention to the spirit that was within us, listen to the spirit that is within us, and then obey what is called to out of it. Verse 11, he goes on and in verse 11. Uh, it says the men, uh, the people, when you know, they were just sitting there looking and watching Jesus go, which, I mean, I would too. I mean, he. I can't even imagine being in that moment where he's ascending into uh, out of the, off of this earth, and like I was just sitting there staring at the clouds in awe, with my with my mouth wide open. But then, while they're caught sitting there staring at the clouds with their mouth wide open, after Jesus is already gone, uh, two men come to them in verse 11 and speak to them. And in verse 11, it says, "Men of Galilee, why do you stand here? What are you What are you standing here for? Looking at heaven." This Jesus who has taken up into heaven will come back to you in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Followers of Jesus cannot just sit and gaze up. We have to stay in Jerusalem, be the church, be the congregation, tell the story of Jesus, tell the story of Jesus to one another, but tell the story of my encounter with Jesus to everyone else around me. We, get, we don't just get to sit around and wait. We have to stay in Jerusalem and be the church. We have to stay in Fairfield, be the church that you're supposed to be with the power that has been left within you. Stay here and be who you are called to be with the power that's been given to you, with the encounters of Jesus that have been given to you. Tell those stories. Tell those stories more often than you tell the stories of what you think and believe and think should be the case in our culture and around us. Tell the stories of Jesus, and then the story goes, because you have power within you to do that. This is how the story of congregation goes out. You never know who's going to show up here on a Sunday morning. There aren't even entrance requirements that I'm aware of. Uh, There aren't entrance requirements, so you never know who comes through these doors on a Sunday. But every person who comes here has a story to contribute to your story. They have an encounter to offer to you. And sometimes those are very broken stories but their story still matters. Sometimes your story of connection to Jesus is a broken story. Sometimes in the last week, since the last time I was here, my story got a little dull. But I'm going to tell you that story. I'm going to tell you that because because that's, that's what I think matters. It matters to me that I can come here to a place that I've called family for a little while and know that uh, in the last couple weeks, uh, what I'm talking about here, this power that I have within me, hasn't been exemplified very high, very much in the last week or so. But I can tell you that story because my story matters to you as far as I know. And I can hear your broken story or your exciting story of like, you know what happened this week? 
I had an encounter with Jesus, and I wanted to tell you about that. And we need to have those stories because you never know who comes through here, but every story that comes through these doors and that comes to your Bible study and comes to your small group and comes to your prayer time, every single story matters because it's a story of Jesus. It's a story of encounter. It's the story of our congregation. And you never know who's going to be here. But God is doing something in every story. So tell that story. The Holy Spirit is forming us into a congregation, and we're not here to do things for God because we are here because God is already doing things. God doesn't need you to do things. God is already doing things. So we come here to tell those stories. This is where I saw God this week. I saw God. My, my grandfather used to uh, run a... Uh, he used to run a mission and when I used to like bring college students when I was in college, I'd bring like a trip there. Uh, and then he, like, he would always like lead every single night. Uh, and it was like in this urban part of Racine, Wisconsin, uh, in like a poor part of town. And he was doing ministry there and he would bring these college kids, you know, like from a private Christian school where we went. Uh, so all these kids and they get to have this experience and then we would send them out. Uh, on during the day, uh, and they would just go do whatever they felt like God was calling them to do that day. And it was insane when we would come back at the end of the day, and my grandfather would lead us into like a kind of like a discussion. Uh, and, he, and the only the only question was, where did you see God today? That was all that we had to look for all day. We were there to serve. We were there to follow whatever God had prompted us to do and how we were prompted to serve that day. But then at the end of the day, we knew at the end of the day, we were all going to sit in our circle and we were going to have to answer, where did I see God today? So all day, I spend my, eye, I spend my day with my eyes pretty wide open looking for God because I know I have to answer that question at the end of the day for my group when I'm leading the group, so I better have an answer. But there's something that happens when you have an expectation to see God today that I actually look and I don't miss him because I'm watching for the opportunity to have an encounter with Jesus. And the truth is that the Holy Spirit is always doing something. God is already doing something. You don't have to be the doer. You are not the doer. We want to join him in whatever he's doing. That is your story. Where did I see Jesus this week? Let me tell you that story now that I'm here on Sunday. I should tell you this story because I had an encounter with Jesus at the coffee shop. I had an encounter with Jesus at work on Friday, uh, and I didn't expect it, but it happened. Let me tell you how this happened. In John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus says, It is to your advantage that I leave. It's to your advantage that I leave. If I don't go away, then the helper Namely, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I will send the helper to you. In John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. He may be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth. This is the Holy Spirit whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him. The world has no understanding of the Holy Spirit because I can't see it. You can't tell me about the Holy Spirit. I can't even see him. 
Jesus says, the world cannot receive it because it doesn't see him or know him. But you, Jesus says, but you know him. You know the encounters that you're having with the Holy Spirit. And you will know the Holy Spirit because he abides with you. He lives in you. Your story with your encounter with the Holy Spirit won't be completely understood by the world because they don't know him. But you do. And you know the Holy Spirit within you. The word another that he uses there, I'm going to send you another helper. The word another there means another that is just like the first. So it has to be a full phrase because it's not another that is completely different. I'm not sending you this separate thing that you're not going to recognize. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit and you're going to recognize it because you know him. You already have that power. I'm going to give you something. I'm going to send the helper that is just like the first. Have you ever thought about the significance of having another counselor, another advocate that is just like the first one that we saw when we saw Jesus? This is what is meant in verse 11 of our passage today when it says, This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come to you in the same way that he left. I'm going to send you are going to have the spirit of Jesus that's going to be with you. Think of what it would be like, though, to have Jesus standing beside you every day, functioning as your personal counselor and power. Think of what it would be like to have Jesus be with you in the flesh, walking with you every day as your counselor, your personal counselor and your personal power to make things happen. Imagine the sort of peace that you would have, the kind of confidence you would have to actually walk through life with Jesus physically walking with you. It sounds pretty amazing, and yet, why do we assume that that would be any better than the literal presence of the Holy Spirit within us every day? Why do we think that it would be so much better if I could just have Jesus physically walk with me? I think many of us today would choose a physical Jesus over an invisible spirit. But what do we do with the fact that Jesus said it's actually better for you? It's better for you, my followers, that I give you the Holy Spirit than for me to stay here physically walking with you. It's better for you that I give you the Holy Spirit. Do you believe what Jesus says? Francis Chan calls the Holy Spirit the forgotten God. There has come this enormous gap between what we read about the Holy Spirit in Scripture. We can read all these things, and I can talk all day about this stuff, about what we're reading, and you're studying through Scripture of Acts. You're, you're seeing the Holy Spirit action and the Holy Spirit work. There is this gap between what we read about the Holy Spirit and how I live each day with that understanding and how do I actually operate in my life knowing I have this power within me, the Holy Spirit is within me. I know this because I studied this, but the how I live each day and each week, there's a gap in the connection there. We would be stunned by what seems to be an absence of the Spirit in any noticeable way. And the great problem grows when there's this connection between the lack of dissatisfaction that people have with the church right lately uh, I think Carolyn, you also alluded to that. Like, there's like, like we're not even connected to it anymore. Like, we're leaving it, and we're not even opening our Bible. We're not even saying we want to be a part of the church. Um, 
And there's, I think there's a big, strong connection to this lack of dissatisfaction that people have with the church and our lack of connection to the Holy Spirit to actually live the life out. I just talked to a former student of mine yesterday. She watched, she watched the documentary with, like, the Duggars that is coming out. And uh, that has been showing a lot of what was really happening. And she said she remembers when she was a kid, she loved watching that show. Uh, because she was like, it was it was crazy. I felt like I was seeing this Christian family on on television, on a regular television. It was like uh, making at least the ability to live their faith out was normal, and uh, at least on television and uh, all this. And then all this stuff is happening, and it's like making her go, "Man, this is nuts! Like this is not nothing was what what any of us saw, and uh, what any of us thought." Uh, but then she made a statement to me in her reflection. She's like, I'm just really glad that um, – I want to make sure I say it the way she said it. But uh, she basically said, that like, I'm just really glad that uh, I don't connect my faith to the way other people have lived out their faith or the, or the way that that has been, been portrayed, um, even though, like, the church was portrayed in a certain way in that – in that system or in that culture, she's like, I still stayed committed to my faith because I know the, I know the encounters I've had with Jesus. And those don't change because something else blew up over here. So, so even though our, our stories are very well connected to one another, only when those are the stories of Jesus and the stories of Jesus' encounter do we really connect together and say, I... I understand your pain. I understand your excitement. I understand those things because I've also had an encounter with Jesus. But tell me more about your encounters with Jesus. And those don't change, regardless of how people use their power and use their influence around us. But this is an incredible thing for us to see when we see that Jesus has given us a power. And he says, it's actually better for you to have this power just being good people with good morals who go and serve the community from time to time makes us no different than the culture around us. Most human beings, not all, but most human beings agree that we should be good. Most human beings agree that we should be good people and treat other people well. So it's, so it's really important that we don't lack the power of the Holy Spirit to set us apart from that from what is already the expectation. The baseline expectation would be that we would be good to people. So just you being a good person with good morals doesn't set you apart in any way. But you having the Holy Spirit within you, doing incredible things in and around your life, that sets you apart. Let me tell you that story. Let me tell you the story of what Jesus has done, the encounters that I had, and that is different. That's a supernatural power in your life, abiding within you. So it's important for us to have an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, and how it looks for us. We must look at those things that we have revealed to us in Scripture as you continue to look through Acts. Look at the way that, uh, like, uh, Matt already listed a few things. Like, there's an advocate that is within you. You have an advocate. So when, when the world says certain things about you that are false and not true, you have an advocate that says, no, that's not true. What's true of who you are is this. This is true of who you are. 
no matter what other people have said, and I will stand here and I will be the voice and the power within you to continue to speak that to you. The power within you as an advocate, as a counselor, as a teacher, as a gift giver. It is the power of one who prays for you in both ways, where it's uh, when you need somebody to pray for you, the Holy Spirit prays for you. But when you also need somebody because I don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit says, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you even when you don't have the words. It changes you. The Holy Spirit is a power within you that changes you and makes you new. So don't believe for one minute that any of this is outside of your reach. When you read through all of Acts and you see the incredible stories of what the Holy Spirit does, don't believe for one second that any of it is outside of your reach. Because it's still the same power that is within you as a follower of Jesus. The point of Acts chapter 2 is that the Spirit will be poured out on all people. Whether you're a man or a woman, old or young, servant or master, the promise is still for you. The Holy Spirit will be poured out on you. Uh, I don't want to talk about that. I'm going to move on. Centuries ago, centuries ago, I want to close with kind of this idea. Centuries ago, there were two theologians who penned two different phrases at different times. One was Philip Brooks, who wrote, Nothing but fire kindles fire. Henry Fosdick wrote, If you want to set someone on fire, you have to burn a little yourself. And in the first century of Christianity that we're reading about here in Acts, as you're looking at it, it was the flame of Jesus Christ that was now spreading across the world through the Holy Spirit as the doer. It is the Spirit of Jesus, same Spirit, that the same Jesus that went is going to come back to you in the same way. I'm going to give you the Spirit of Jesus. So you might not get the physical Jesus to walk with you every single day, but I'm giving you the power. There's the Spirit of Jesus within you that is already with you. The flame of Jesus Christ was spreading across the world at this moment, and the reason that happened is because nothing but fire kindles more fire. And if you actually want to set someone else on fire for Jesus, you might have to burn a little yourself. The apostles first went into a village or a town, and they would plant a church. This is how, this is another cheat sheet for the rest of the book of Acts for you to give to Gary when he gets back. So, uh, the apostles would go into a village, go into a town, they would plant a church, and then they would go into a second village or town and then plant another church and so on and so on and so on. But when we study all this, we have to still go back to that first village. Go back to that first village and town and look a little more carefully because we have to go back to the first village because before the apostles would go on to the second village, they needed to make sure something was happening there in that first village before they could leave and go on. So before they would leave to go on to the second village, they would leave a group of people in that village who were committed to Jesus and full of the spirit and the power that we're talking about, the power within. The Greek word for these people that is used throughout Acts is laos, which means the laity or the people. It's the people of God. The apostles always left. And when they would plant a church in a village, before they could move on to the next village to spread the gospel and to tell more stories of Jesus, before they would leave, they would always leave a common 
people and villagers whose hearts were on fire in that village before they would leave. These people had not gone to Jessup or Biola or Fuller or some other fancy place. They hadn't gone to seminary. They hadn't even seen Jesus. These are the villagers and the common people whose hearts were on fire. They hadn't even seen Jesus face to face. But they were left here. They hadn't even talked with Jesus in person, and they were the ones that were left behind. They weren't apostles. They were the people of God in each village who had spread the gospel from house to house, from neighbor to neighbor, friend to friend, and from family to family sometimes. And they spread the gospel because they wanted to tell the story. Let me tell you the story of what happened to me. And I didn't even see Jesus, but I know his spirit within me. Let me tell you the story of the encounter that I've had with Jesus. And they spread the gospel from house to house, neighbor to neighbor, family to family, friend to friend. The principle has always been and still is true. It's actually the people of God who become inspired by the Holy Spirit who actually make congregation and make it spread. These are the ones. They weren't the 12, not the apostles, not the pastors. It's the laity. It's the people of God who go out and reach other people with the story of Jesus that I've encountered. I'm a witness to this encounter with Jesus and his spirit within me and nurturing those relationships that form and entangle your story. Tell tell me more of your story. I want to hear your story. And all the broken places that you tell me about, I can tell you about a power that will encounter those broken spaces. Did they do this with their own enthusiasm? No. The power within you. Do they do it with their own intelligence? No. These were common people, common villagers, before education was even what it was, but these were the common villagers whose hearts were on fire and went out and spread the gospel. And the reason why ordinary people can spread the gospel and can become congregations is because nothing but fire kindles fire. And if you actually really want to set someone else on fire, you have to burn a little yourself. Tell the story of your encounter with Jesus and make that more important than everything else. And the congregation begins to grow because we see that that's our power. That is our story. And I want to hear your story because my story matters because it's connected to your story. I would not be, well, literally I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. But, like, um, I wouldn't be at this point in this season of my life if it wasn't for Solano Valley. Because my story is connected to you. And I know that... uh, that our story is entangled because I know that it would be very different from now if I hadn't connected my story with you nine, ten years ago. It matters that you connect your story to other people and that your story does matter because it, it's connected to us. I can't even be who I am without you. I can't even be fully who I am without Solano Valley in this community because our stories are connected. Um, 
and I would be entirely different than I am right now if our stories had never been connected. So it matters. Tell that story. Tell the story of Jesus and the encounters of the spirit that you have because that's how we spread actually into our culture that knows nothing of the spirit because they've never seen him. But you have, and you know him. So tell that story. Uh, That's it. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for another opportunity again today. Um, We praise you for who you are. We ask that uh, you would continue to burn a little within each of us, that our hearts would be set on fire for who you are, Uh, not the things that we get angry about, not the things that we think we need, the points we need to make, but that we would burn a little more for an encounter with you, that that would be all I really wanted, that I would start looking every day for where you are and what you're doing so that at the end of every day I could say, I saw God here, I saw God here, and I saw God here. Just give us the eyes to see those things because we know that your spirit is working. We know that your spirit is within us and is already doing things. May we do less things ourselves and just see what you're already doing. Join you there and tell those stories. We praise you for who you are, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks, PC. Appreciate it. I'm, I'm like, I just had a thought, and I was like, wow, it was a God thing too. How a couple of weeks ago, Dave Gudgel came, and he taught us how to tell the story, whereas PCs come this morning, told us we need to tell our story. So it all is interwoven together, and I think that's just God working in our lives, in our church, in our community, and I think that's pretty awesome. But I like that encouragement to go out and see God and how he's working in our lives each and every day. Um, We just want to take a moment to worship God with our giving. The Bible teaches us that all that we have comes from the Lord and that we are stewards of what he has entrusted to us. Um, I want to thank all of you who have taken what God has entrusted to you and faithfully have given to the mission of Solana Valley Church, the mission of inviting people to follow Jesus. There are several ways that you can worship by giving, and you can find them all on our website, solanovalley.org forward slash giving, and also by tapping the Give button on the SVC app. All right. Thank you so much, Elsa. Church, let's stand together. Let's worship him one more time, for he is great, and he is awesome, and he is worthy of our praise. Let's sing. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the world's thy hands have made. And I see, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. This is my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great, how great thou art. How great Thou art, 
so much for being here today. Thank you again, PC. Hope you have a fantastic week. We'll see you next time.